book of Revelation chapter 7. Revelation chapter 7, if you would. We are in a series. Oh, my voice is going. <laughs> We're in a series on belonging. I believe it's the message that the Lord wants to speak to us as a people to prepare our hearts to have a place of belonging so that as we move in the vision that God has given us, we will see people coming into this church, into this fellowship, and they need to have a sense of belonging. And you who have been attending, you need to know that you belong and to create a place of belonging for others in your life. And so what I want to share with you this morning is called Tribes and Tongues. Tribes and Tongues. And if you will, turn to Revelation chapter 7, verse 9. We read this. John is writing of what he sees in heaven, and it says, After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and in front of the Lamb, They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. This is an awesome revelation and vision of what God's purpose was from the beginning of time. That He would redeem mankind. All people. It's an inclusive call that all people, whosoever will, can come unto the Lord. And if you could understand this from a Jewish perspective, Trying to understand, well, well, did they get circumcised? Uh, are they following the law? Have they come into uh, uh, Israel and, and Judaism? And you come to realize that through Christ, He has opened this salvation to every nation, every tribe, and every tongue. That word tongue is English King James for languages. And so, this is God's heart. He called Israel, his elect family, out of Egypt uh, all the way back from Abraham. He was going to use that family to become a tribe and become a nation so that he could use them to be a light to all nations, all people, to prepare them for Messiah because it was predestined in God's ages that he would call out of people through Christ. And this is what we see in the book of Revelation. The fulfillment of everything God had planned. Every tribe, every tongue, every nation. I think that's pretty cool. So when we look at that, we have to evaluate what it means. There is one new man, one new identity now. But yet there still are distinctions in heaven. Don't you find that interesting? Oh, they all wear white robes. But John was able to distinguish the color of these folks. The, the tribal language of these folks, right? I mean, how do you think John was able to figure out, well, there's some folks from Africa. There's some folks from Asia. How did he discern that there were tribes and tongues and different nations? I would think it had to have been visible and audible. What I love about this is that God loves our uniqueness. We're not all going to become vanilla. I remember working at GM in design staff, and whenever we would design something, they would start with a prototype, something that was futuristic, something that was amazing and unique. 
And then once they designed it and said, this is cool, let's do it. Then they said, okay, well, let's make it work on the body, the metal that we have now. And so let's put that souped-up, really cool thing on this Chevy body. And then that's where we as clay modelers came in, and the engineers helped us with the math, and we would then take this awesome design that was unrealistic and put it on a body that already existed. And basically the term was we made it vanilla. It lost its flavor. God doesn't do that. I I think that's great for the Africans to get saved and go to heaven. They're going to sing Sutu and Zulu in heaven. That's awesome. Right? Americans, southern folks are going to be singing down south. Glory to God. Hallelujah. (laughs) Right? Aussies, Australians are going to sing a certain way. Chinese people are going to worship God and you're going to distinguish them. And I think that is awesome and so creative. I mean, look at how many flowers and types of seeds and plants there are. That's us. God doesn't milk the creativity out of us and make us all equal in the same robotic people who have to learn the same language, talk the same way, praise the same way, worship the same way. Arms elevated, people say. No. There's going to be dancing. There's going to be singing. There'll be people kneeling. There'll be people silent before God because they're expressing their worship in the way that they express their worship. It's awesome. And so when I think of this, he says every nation, every tribe. Now there's a distinction between a nation and a tribe, isn't there? But what's amazing is that all of them are of the tribe of Jesus. So it's inclusive to include all people, but it's exclusive because you have to come through Christ. That's a fascinating mixture, isn't it? And so all, whosoever will, can come unto Christ, all nations, all people, can come to God. But let's make a distinction here. There's a difference between a nation and a tribe. Within a nation, there's going to be all nations. So how many different nations are there in the world, right? And, and so as a nation, you're going to see that people represented. But within the nation, there are tribes, aren't there? Let me give you a classic example. The 12 tribes of the nation of Israel. So you have a national identity And then you have a tribal identity. And then you have a family identity. Right? And and so you look at some of the tribes. There was the tribe of Levi, right? The priestly tribe. The tribe of Judah, the tribe of praise. There was a uniqueness we make reference to many times uh, of the sons of Issachar, the tribe of Issachar. Very small tribe, but very prophetic and unique and knowing what to do for all the nation. Then there's the tribe of Dan, there's the tribe of Gad, the tribe of Benjamin and Joseph, Simeon, all these different tribes. So there's a uniqueness of tribes. Now, we, we don't recognize that many times. When we look at people groups, we see them as one, one color, one people. But there's many tribes, though they may be the same color, Right? Many different families and tribes, and and tribes have their own uniqueness. There are tribes that have particular flags or banners. So God 
doesn't have a problem with uniqueness and unique characteristics and traits. Israel was one nation of God, but you know what? They all had a different banner. They had a different emblem, right? So Judah would carry their emblem of the lion, while uh, Gad would carry his banner of the tent. Reuben, uh, Levi, they each had their own emblem and, and their colors, if you will, and their uniqueness and their qualities. And, and I imagine those banners are being waved before the Lord. You see, and as the church, we complain many times for different denominations. We say, oh, we're all divided. But we're one people in Christ Jesus. We just have different banners sometimes, right? Pentecostals wave their banners. Look at us! You might have Presbyterians that pull out their banner. (laughs) They have a banner. Methodists have a banner. People have banners, right? They have different emblems. There's black churches. There's white churches. There's Korean churches. And some complain that the church is the most segregated, uh, Sunday morning is the most segregated time because you have black folks going to black churches and white people going to white churches. But some of that's just part of the tribe and tongue that we talk. It doesn't mean we have to be divided. We can try and get everybody together. Now, in order to get everybody together, we've got to adapt a tribal language and tongue that brings in everybody as belonging. So our our language of our worship should change and move. There might be some tribal language you don't particularly like one Sunday. But if you want to be part of the tribe that has a sense of belonging to all nations, if you want to represent Revelation 7 worship where all tribes and tongues come together, sometimes you're going to have to carry someone else's banner and say, yeah, amen. Right? Sometimes we got young people up here and it's like, oh, I don't like that song. (laughs) You pick up that banner and go, hallelujah, praise God for that tribe and celebrate with Jesus. Right? Sometimes we'll have some black. Sometimes we'll have some southern. Sometimes we'll have some very liturgical things. Sometimes we'll have high praise. Sometimes we'll just shout. We're carrying banners. That's what I love about this slide of Jesus, this picture of him, the coat of many colors. And when you consider that Joseph had a coat of many colors, representing Jesus, whose coat of many colors represents the flags of all the nations. All the nations, all people. And God will celebrate that, and we'll celebrate that with him as one new man. I think that's wonderful. Now, what about, uh, so there's a distinction within tribes that have unique giftings, unique qualities. Then there's the tongues, isn't there? Or languages or dialects. God appreciates dialects. He loves different languages that flow. And they have different types of words and sounds that mean different things. Our languages change from the King James to today. Words don't sound the same, right? Uh, In reference, again, if I read this verse in King James, I would say, in every tribe and tongue. What's your tongue? Uh, uh, Like, what are you talking about? Well, what is your language? 
And so there's these languages and tongues before God, and languages have different meanings. In the Greek, we, we go back in the New Testament, and we realize that in the Greek language, uh, it's so expressive. There's so many, uh, there's such a depth of many words that mean all these different nuances. And then you come to English, and it's like, whatever. Something close to that. We'll try and find it. So God loves the languages. He loves all kinds of languages. I've been around the world in different places, and there's different kind of languages. There's places in South Africa where some of the language is clicking. We went to what, what, you know, and it's like, where'd that come from? Clicking and clacking and ticking and this and that. That's part of the language. Could you imagine being around the throne of God, beginning to worship and praise, and some people are clicking and clacking? That's going to be awesome. All kinds of languages. And there's different meanings to those languages. But when you come into these different places, you'll recognize that we're going to have a problem with our language because something mean, that means something to you may not mean something to me. I remember being in South Africa and being in a place where I ordered a hamburger. And as we're sitting in that place, I asked for a napkin. And uh, uh, those who were serving me began laughing at me. And my host said, you just ordered a diaper. You put napkins on baby's bottoms. I said, oh. He said, it's a serviette. If you want something to wipe your mouth, you better ask for a serviette, not a diaper. Well, we call them napkins here, right? So that's a problem. There, within the different tribes, there are different traditions. The way we do different things. Do you know we bury our people different according to the tribe? There are certain things you do, certain orders we have that certain tribes have. And when I say tribes, I'm meaning culture groups, family groups. So we bury our dead differently. We honor God in different ways and in different measures throughout history. It's been developed. One's not better than another. What happens many times is if you happen to be in the population that's the majority, you tend to try to make everybody else fit you. That's what happened in the, in the missions uh, work through uh, European uh, missionaries going into India, going into Africa, and going everywhere else. They felt these people were uncivilized because they didn't drink tea at 4 o'clock and they didn't sing Wesleyan hymns. So one thing we need to do is we need to teach these folks how to sing some old standard hymns and to love tea and to worship God in a certain way. And what's happening is is we were stifling the tribe and tongue aspect of worship. What's also unique is that within each culture and and land group and, and area of nation, there are territorial spirits and territorial flavors that God wants to take over and redeem. What many people moving now in worship ministry and in worship missions, they're going into countries wanting the people to sing in their indigenous language so that as they begin to worship in the indigenous language, they are redeeming what the enemy had stifled and now breaking it into praise to the living God. So it may sound like something from China and it's Chinese worship. It doesn't have to sound European. Because it's taking the air of China under the authority of Christ Jesus. We should celebrate that. 
And if we want to be a church where people belong, we need to appreciate it. I remember going to Russia, and we had to be schooled on some of the culture of that tribe. We were told you never put your Bible on the floor. Right? In America, it's like we know that this is a book. We know that the Word of God is true it's a, and, and holy. We don't have, that's fine like that. That's no disrespect. I dropped my book. You don't do that in Russia. You know why? They lost their lives and were under communism for 70 years because of this book. You don't put it on the floor. A lot of blood was spilt over this. You don't put it on your chair either. Because that's where you sit and put your derriere. How dare you put your derriere, put your Bible there. You see? We had to learn that. We'd say, oh, come on, you Russian people, really. It's just a book. We know that the heart of it's here. But there's a history. There's something deep here that we could all learn and appreciate. Tribe and tongue. Well... In essence, we're a tribe. And we have a language. We have a purpose. Yes, our nation is America. And yet around the throne on Sunday morning here, I see every tribe and every tongue worshiping God. And that's what we want. And we want to learn how to belong to each other to do that. And we don't have to make you conform to me, but we all are creatively and uniquely worshiping our God and Savior. For some people, it is something so reverent and deep that they're there in it in worship. For others, it is a praise and an adoration. It's a step and a move in God. And it's how we belong together, worshiping the Lord. We have a language. We're Christ Community Church. I always get a kick out of it when guests come and they say, you are three C's. We go, no, we're C3. I can tell you're a stranger here. I like coming to three C's. No, no, no. That's Community Christian out on Ryan Road. We're C3. That's our language, right? We have a language. We, ha- we have an Id- ideology and, and an understanding. We are here to effectively impact the community by making disciples of Christ. And that's our, our motto. That's what we are. It's who we have become. We have worship traditions. We, we know who we are and what tribe we are in this community and what God wants us to do. Even within C3, there's different family groupings and tribes and all that. We don't want to be cliquish, but it's always going to happen that way, that there are going to be people who gather because they speak the same language, and they pick up on it quick. And you can have that happen even through spiritual offices and gifts. The fivefold, apostolic, right? Apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. What happens spiritually is, is folks will begin to move in those gifts, and they begin to move in tribes, They begin to follow the groups that are uh, the prophetic people, hang with prophetic people. Not to exclude others, but it's just that's our, our language. We talk that language. Apostolic people say, that's cool, but let's get something done over here, and let's do it now. Right? You know, and the teaching people said, well, that's very interesting, and it reminded me the other day when I was studying Scripture. Everybody goes, oh, I studied that too. Let me talk about it. 
and we become, and we don't need to, that's okay. You see, there's something about Revelation 7 that tells us we can be unique and one. We can belong to each other and have uniqueness in it. Because sometimes, again, we, we have this overall sense of unity means everybody talk the same, act the same, worship the same, study the same, and so forth. That's not unity. Unity is having one vision, and that is Christ Jesus. And we then express that and live it out in a unique way. And that's what God is telling us in Revelation 7. And so I'm hoping you find your tribe and your tongue among us. You begin to search that out. And maybe you felt, gee, I don't belong there. I don't click with that people. Well, there's someone here that does click with you. Search them out. Let's find them together. Uh, I, I love the, the diversity. Let me give you some language of Christ Community Church. Maybe some of this, this rings a bell with you. Cup of cold water. You hear that a lot, don't you? When we pray for missionaries, may you be a cup of cold water. And people are going, where does where, that come from? It's Matthew chapter 10, and it was something that God poured into us as a people. The cold water campaign, when we began to really recognize that God honors those who, who help, even the least of these, even with a cup of cold water. It's become our language. In, in the tribe of C3, when I say cup of cold water, it, it indicates something. When we talk about being a consume, consumer or producer, that, that rings. Because again, God led us into a place where we want to be producers, not consumers. Now here's the problem with our language. People just coming into the church are like, well, that's interesting, what's that? It's the same in Christianity. We've got a lot of words that people don't understand. Uh, here's another one. Belonging. I hear it now in the last three weeks, everybody's saying, you belong, I belong. Last week, everybody was saying, get in the boat, right? Because it's a language that, that is in our tribe now that we're talking about. Uh, sometimes uh, I think it's, uh, oh, here's another one. I like this one. And uh, if you weren't there, you may not re recognize it, but it's this. Mainland China! Two years ago at Metro Beach, we had an amazing Holy Ghost experience is while we were commissioning our team going to China, about 50 Chinese people walked by the pavilion as we were laying hands on a team sending them to China. And I asked the people, where are you from? When I began describing over the loudspeaker, we're bringing Bibles to mainland China. I asked them as they walked by, where are you from? And one of the students said, mainland China! And they said, come in. And they all came in. We prayed together, and they were there for baptism. And we all went down to the waters of baptism. It was an experience we had in Jesus, and, and it's become part of the culture of our tribe. We have an affinity to the Chinese. And now, every Friday night, we are sending teams down to the work in Detroit, ministering to the Chinese students. So, you know, there's a language here. And uh, it should be as colorful and expressive, but it can get troublesome too because there are barriers with that. And if we're trying to get new people to feel a sense of belonging, we've got to help them with our language, right? Because you ever been in a place where everybody's got a secret language? Inside, you know, information, 
And they say a word, and everybody around the table is going, oh, and you're going like. So, you know, I mean, there's people here, and they say, well, you know, I'd like to attend a class. Well, do you want to go to DI or MCI? I don't know. What is DI, MCI? Well, go see PT or PC. I don't understand this language you're talking. <laughs> we have this problem in, 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 a, in Christianity. It's, it's a challenge. It's a problem. Uh, but that's what's interesting, you see, because though it's inclusive that all can come into this, it is actually also exclusive. Because if you look at Revelation 7, it also said they were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. Why? All these different people from all nations and all different tribes talking their own languages, but they're all dressed in white. What's that? What in the world? So... Oh, so when you die and go to heaven, you get a palm branch. I thought it was a harp. Maybe you get a harp and a palm branch. What do these things mean? Well, see, if you don't know Scripture and you don't know the Word of God, you're not going to understand what a white robe and a palm branch are. You see, so there is some sense of exclusivity in the sense that you have to come through Jesus Christ to be saved. Not everyone is ending up in heaven. Though out of all tribes, nations, and tongues, people will go to heaven, but not everyone will go to heaven. Those who are made clean and their robes washed as white by the blood of the Lamb. There is only one name under heaven by which men may be saved, through Jesus Christ by His blood shed on the cross. That's why they have white robes, because it identifies them as saints or sanctified ones who have been cleansed by the blood of Jesus. And the palm branches are important because at Christ's triumphal entry, as he was entering into Jerusalem as Messiah and as King of Kings, they waved palm branches. So the waving of palm branches is a declaration that Jesus is Lord and King over all. See, but you don't know that unless you're in the kingdom and can grasp that. It goes that way too with church, and I know there are problems in Christianity with this. Speaking in tongues, or let me put it this way, languages, Christianese. Many of us speak with Christianese to each other. Do you want to come on over and fellowship? We can get blessed together and find the moving of God. People are going like, what did you just say? What is this fellowship? Well, we share. What do you share? (laughs) Food? Yeah. (laughs) Definitely food. Uh, What does this mean? Can I intercede for you? I don't know. Can you? I don't know if I want you to. What does that mean? Brother, are you born again? Are you saved I don't know. What does that mean to you? Right? Born again is a term from a song I heard on the radio once. You you see what I mean? We have Christianese. We talk about this stuff. The blood of Jesus will justify you, cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Okay. What does that mean? 
So we have to translate many times for those who are unsaved. And there are times that even churches have different languages among each other and different things. And like I said here, we have different phrases, right? Are you coming to bagel hour? Bagel hour. What is this bagel hour you speak of? Can you give me a verse reference? Yes, it's where we break bread together. So, so we've got to recognize that 1040 window. My windows are fine. We just had them replaced with wall side. I, I don't, I don't, do I have to have a 1040 window to belong to your church? Right? Oh, I can't wait to get to the prayer meeting and have some carpet time. Carpet time. What is this carpet time? It's like we're speaking the same language but a different language right? So we've got to help people. Though we want people to belong and we want to have a diversity of of culture and tribe and tongue, we have to help each other in this tribe and identify some of the things we're saying. Be patient with each other. And if you'll remember, one of the things that we said early on that is absolutely necessary as a tribe of people who want to have a sense of belonging are two characteristics of Jesus. I would hope that we carry all the fruit of the Spirit, but two specifically is gentleness and patience. If you've ever been in a foreign land trying to communicate in a different language, the people you're trying to communicate with need to be gentle and patient because you're really lost. Have to go to the bathroom. Hmm. What does that mean? (laughs) So then you give hand signals, and by the time you're going like this, they get the idea. There's different ways to communicate. But be gentle, be patient with people as they're coming into this tribe. They want to feel like they belong. Help them uh, identify with what we're doing. Help them identify that it is not a particular style of clothing that you're wearing, but in fact it is Jesus that you're wearing. I love Titus chapter 2. And it says this in Titus 2. Where'd it go? There it is. So that in every way they will make the teaching about God our Savior attractive. Attractive. I I like that. That in this tribe, we're wearing robes of white. You see, you still have your unique culture. You still have your unique language. But you are wearing Christ in His gentleness, in His patience, in His goodness. We have got to do that. Got to wear that. You see, because you might be from the tribe of a particular nation that has a short fuse. That's just the way we are. No, I'm sorry. You should be wearing Christ. It's fine to celebrate whatever your national heritage is, whatever your tribe is, whatever language or tongue you like to talk in. That's cool. That's great. But remember, you're wearing Jesus. And is He attractive? so that people feel they can belong here. And that's really our goal in all of this. Loving and welcoming a new person means welcoming... I can't even talk. Loving and welcoming a new person means welcoming them to our culture and to our language. Making room for the language of others and building bridges across racial, racial and cultural lines with lasting relationships. 
The thing that is so awesome with the gospel of Jesus Christ is it includes every culture and every language because our object is not each other. It's Jesus who loves us all equally and the same. Amen? Amen. And so we want to translate that and we want to develop that. And we, there's nothing wrong with having an identity of who we are. There's a sense of mission and purpose. I love that verse, like I said earlier, about the sons of Issachar. For they discerned the times and knew what Israel should do. I like that. So people knew the sons of Issachar. You got a problem, go to the Issachar guys. Right? And this kind of a thing. And, and so there's great identity in your tribe. And, and we're a tribe that has an identity. We're C3. We have a vision of discipling. We want to take this community and immerse it in the presence of Christ. And plant more wells so the presence of Christ in these churches will begin to influence the, the very region that we're in. So that as this region is saturated with the presence of Christ, crime goes down. Economy goes up. People want to be here. There's a happy, healthy, peaceable society people want to live in. All of a sudden, it begins to influence the suburbs and influence the city of Detroit because the presence of Christ has been in here. And this tribe is going to work at doing that. And in our church, we try to worship Christ above all things. We, we try to overcome sin, deal with it, conquer it. We pray for the sick. We've got a prophetic word for your future and hope. You have a calling in God. That's C3. And we want to have a sense of a tribe and a language. And that's why I, I also want to show you this. With that whole sense of belonging. This is something that throughout the year we're going to present to you. What does this mean? It means you're identified with this tribe and language. I am C3. And it's actually a witnessing tool so that if you have a shirt with it on and you're at the store and you go to the store and somebody goes, what is this? We belong to a technical computer thing? What is that? What is I am C3? That's what I am. What do you mean? I am Christ Community Church. I love my church. I go to this church. We worship God together. You should come and visit us. Well, I don't know if I belong. Oh, yeah, you do. Oh, yeah, you do. And we want to welcome you so that you can be C3. Ultimately, we belong to Jesus. Amen? Let's bow our heads.